Do you own a Jeep with a 4-liter inline-six? Then you're going to want to know these critical things to keep it running for more than a quarter million miles. And we take some time to pick on the lesser Jeeps. So if you own a new Cherokee, Compass, or Renegade, we're sorry in advance. And don't forget to share the Jeep Talk Show with your friends. Just tell them to go to jeeptalkshow.com. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Wendy. There will be body damage. Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. The JCS team is here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Jeeps. If you're new to the Jeep world or thinking about jumping in and getting your feet dirty, you're in the right place, whether you have interest have interest in uh, having a unique off-road vehicle ready to hit the trails or a daily driver that's also a weekend warrior. This show is for you. Find more information about the show at jeeptalkshow.com. Hey, everyone. I'm Tammy, and my Jeep Mama blog was awarded Top 15 Jeep Blogs. Woohoo! Hey, I'm Josh, and I'll never get tired of hearing those two words. Nice Jeep. And howdy, it's Wendy. What Jeep part did you repair this weekend? Oh, damn you. <laughs> I'm Tony, and I've started saying vitamin instead of vitamin. How dare you. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. But it's no question this COVID thing has created quite a turmoil in many communities. But at the same time, these same communities are coming together to help those who are having a harder time through this than others. So when I see a business in the Jeep world stepping up to do the right thing and help out those who are struggling in these uncertain times, I like to take a moment and give them a little bit of credit. This week, my hat goes off to the Bakersfield Chrysler Jeep Fiat dealership, who teamed up with a local nonprofit, CityServe, who together are running a massive food drive that is forecasted to help literally thousands of people. CityServe is a collaborative network of churches and community leaders connected to overcome poverty in their communities. Together with the Bakersfield Jeep dealership, they are running a drive-up food drive which will take place at the Jeep dealership in the Bakersfield Auto Mall starting tomorrow, or I guess today as the show is released. They are asking for dry, non-perishable foods such as rice, beans, canned and boxed foods. Monetary donations will also be accepted to purchase additional food items. All of the collected food items will then be distributed to CityServe Resource Churches, also known as pods or points of distribution, who hand out needed groceries to the most vulnerable families in their neighborhoods. With so many families being hit so hard by the crisis, it's awesome to see something like a Jeep dealership stepping up to help those who need it most. If you want to get involved with this food drive or make a donation to help them out, we'll have the link in the show notes for this episode. You know, I think that's great. Um, I was actually talking with Extreme Terrain today, and uh, they were talking about, uh, uh, reminding me actually about how they get involved in uh, Clean the Trails, uh, sponsoring uh, some uh, Jeep clubs and uh, basically helping out the community, and I think that's oh, very, very much so. Yeah, yeah, I think that's very important. Whenever you see an organization like that, uh, like uh, the Jeep uh, dealerships are doing, it's it's important for them to give back. I mean, you might think it's a PR thing, but uh, they it's part of the community. It's something that you yeah. just have to help out. One of the, like mm-hmm. well, kind of like what we do to much to a lesser degree. Uh, letting you guys know where the wheeling wear events are so uh you know we try to we try to help the community out that way and make announcements for folks in fact well, let and- me let me mention we haven't had one in a long time if you guys have something coming up or a, an event or something that you need to get some information out on you can call our voicemail line and 
you know, but leave us a message about it. You, you don't have to feel awkward about, you know, using our ability uh, here to communicate with uh, other folks for your event. Uh, please do so. We encourage that. And we actually haven't spoken about that in a long time. No, that's right. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up, Tony, because I wanted to put a call to action out there. And if, if any other Jeep dealership or, or uh, Jeep community, other Jeep clubs or anything like that are doing something similar, uh, where they're doing a food drive or, you know, um, uh, you know, a fund, a fundraiser, you know, something like that to where it's, it's in support of the community uh, to help out those who are, you know, um, really in need of help the most right now. We definitely want to know about it. We want to help get the word out. Uh, even if it's nothing else for, you know, the, just for awareness sake, because uh, we know, I mean, people are all over the world are listening to this and, you know, people in Australia may not be able to help out, you know, the people, people in Bakersfield, but uh, nonetheless, it's nice for them to know about these kinds of things that are happening and it might inspire others in other places to do similar things. So, so all the more reason why uh, if you have something like this going on or you know about something like this going on in your community, please let us know about it so we can uh, let others know as well. Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, well, the thing we're always supposed to do, uh, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, just go over there and you f- you can find out the voicemail number and email address and uh, everything else, but really the the absolute best way is to do it in your own voice by calling our voicemail line because, uh, uh, well, it's going to be a different voice and they're going to hear it from you directly. So I'm probably going to get some uh, emails over the next week or so. Like, why didn't oh, you good. talk about this one story? And um, there, there's a, they're talking about there's a big story right now that's getting a lot of news attention about a nine-year-old boy who was trapped under a Jeep uh, that bashed into his house because the guy behind the wheel was drunk. Um, there, it, there was some emotional points in this story, and uh, the, the boy is ultimately okay. Uh, but it was kind of hit and miss there for a minute. And, and the story hit a little bit close to home for me. Uh, with some of the finer details of that. So I'm, I'm not going to be talking about that story this week. I might get to it uh, next week, but, uh, but we'll see. But I just want to let people know that you know, this is a story that is pretty much saturating the news, uh, the news um, uh, channels right now. Uh, and if, if you're wondering why you're not hearing about it here on the Jeep Talk Show, you know, that's why. Uh, but another story that, that popped up today uh, that I was very proud to read um, was about a Jeep group uh, who's hosting a flag run for Memorial Day. And members of a, a very large uh, Jeep face group, a Facebook group, 570 Jeeps, met up Sunday morning in Dickinson City, Pennsylvania, to honor the sacrifice of the brave men and women who served in the armed forces. The off-roading and Jeep enthusiasts wanted to uh, observe the Memorial Day with a flag run. They decided to put on the event because some groups haven't been able to replace flags on the graves of fallen veterans because of COVID-19 restrictions. So these Jeep lovers made sure the old glory was on full display for everybody else to see. We're doing it especially this year because with COVID-19, there's no parades. There's really no way to honor the veterans this year. So we're trying to do whatever we can to show support for them, said Ricky Cotel, uh, 570 Jeep's treasurer. The ride went all throughout Lackawanna and Wayne counties. From the response on social media, I say it was well received. If you'd like to reach out to 570 Jeeps to say thanks or to show your support, we'll have a link to their Facebook group in the show notes for this episode. Boy, right now is a good time to get things uh, together, uh, getting people together, getting Jeeps together, uh, because everybody's been uh, housebound for a couple of months. <laughs> it's yeah, outside? In, in fact, <laughs> Hell there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. There was Anything? a big a big group down here in Southern California to support the uh, Barstow Veterans Home. Um, our lovely governor wanted to, re- you know, cut it, the budget and actually remove everybody out of that home. So it was motorcycles, it was Jeeps, it was four by fours, it was all kinds of clubs that came together. And, 
you know, drove nice. around and tried to do support for it and flags. It was pretty awesome. Excellent. Love hearing about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, and by all means, if you've got something going on in your community that is Jeep-related, let us know about it. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com contact and find out how. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. You know, we're always asking to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network, and it, it is for good reason. There's a ton of great shows there to check out besides ours, and be sure to tell your friends, too. We've got something for everybody at the 4x4 Radio Network. On the Trail Podcast is there, Trail Chasers is there, Center Steer Podcast, Dan and the 4x4, po- 4x4 Podcast putting out great shows. It's all for free. It's all on the 4x4radionetwork.com. We're there, too. We'll see you there. You know, uh, I've, I've been catching uh, Cody and his team uh, from Trail Chasers on uh, YouTube Live. Uh, I think it was on Mondays. It just kind of pops up on my YouTube uh, so if, if you guys are interested in uh, watching uh, uh, Cody uh, and uh, his team over there on uh, Trail Chasers, uh, go over to Trail Chasers and subscribe to their YouTube channel and you get that notification whenever they're live and you can go on there and, uh, you know, cut up in the chat room and uh, see if you can mess up one of the one of the hosts uh, with your comments. That's that's the fun <laughs> thing. <laughs> So I'm going to break from the regular show flow here and uh, share this posting from uh, Everett M. Uh, Everett M. says, so is it me or are you guys anti-renegade? The comments you made regarding the renegade and the Jeepster names are unappreciated. I think this is uh, directed at you, Josh. Uh, <laughs> I, am, I get the feeling you are the type people I was warned about. If it isn't a Wrangler, it's not a Jeep. Unsubscribing. Oh, no. Well, you know, that's that's going to happen because we all have opinions and we're here to, to share them. You know, Everett, I can, gonna hate. Yeah. <laughs> Everett exactly. I can only speak for myself when I say, yes, I am anti-Renegade or at least the new Renegade. The new Renegade is based on the Fiat 500 platform. And frankly, I'd be surprised if there are is, that there's even one Jeep part in it. Bottom line, it's not for me. I want an off-road rig uh, with plenty of aftermarket support or something I can keep for years. Please don't confuse my dislike of the new Renegade as a dislike for anyone that owns one. My hope is that the new Renegade owners haven't been misled into thinking they have something like, you know, the World War II Jeep, the CJ, the Wrangler, or even the old 1984 through 2001 Cherokees. Um, Wendy, how do you, uh, do you have an opinion about this on the new Renegade? You know, if I am able to spot it over a rock, I might have an opinion, but mm, probably not right now. Tammy, how about you? I just think it should have had a different name. Um, Renegade already was named um, a Jeep way earlier. Um, So, and as far as it being a Jeep, I mean, if Jeep says it's a Jeep, it's a Jeep. So, Josh, what do you think? I mean, I, I believe it was the CJ that was actually had the, the, the trim level of uh, the Renegade and actually the Renegade name across the hood. And I think you're kind of like me and and how you feel about that, that, that title being reused on something that really isn't uh, technically, well, technically it's a Jeep, but in spirit and uh, everything else, it doesn't, doesn't really seem to be Jeepy to me. Uh, give me two seconds. I need to grab my soapbox over here and drag it over <laughs> <laughs> holy oh, crap yeah. i can't even see you you your galaxy is a smile now you're really up on that soapbox 
<laughs> yes, I do have an opinion about the new Renegade, and oh, over cool. the last couple of a uh, couple of shows, I I have uh, voiced that opinion with uh, with no punches pulled, and I voiced my opinion about anything that Jeep or FCA does uh, as a whole that uh, that I've got an opinion about. Uh, to be honest, I you know I've got a microphone, I've got a platform to speak, and and uh, and I'm not going to pull my punches, um, you know, for the sake of of you or or Tony or one listener or you know a Jeep official uh, for that matter. Um, you know, if there's something to be taken to task, uh, I'm going to do it. You know, we give honest reviews here on the show. We don't, uh, you know, uh, pull our punches when it comes to, you know, products that we look at or that we've had experience with. Uh, same thing with parks or with businesses, uh, any of that sort of stuff. We are honest, true to God, and, and just put everything out there uh, and, and really don't cloud this. And so when one or several of us have an opinion about a vehicle that, that has a name badge that it probably shouldn't have ever been given, uh, and this is following suit with a lot of what FCA has done over the last, you know, maybe five, six, ten years or so um, about you know dredging up these name badges from yesteryear and and using using that nostalgia to try and drive PR towards a new vehicle line. And and it's just it's not in line with what a lot of people consider, uh, you know, what makes Jeep Jeep. Uh, so uh, this is very much you know FCA at the at the rail at the helm. Uh, rather, this is, you know, executives in, in Italy who have absolutely no idea what, you know, chief <laughs> ownership is here in the United States. And, and so they are making executive decisions based upon, honestly, I money. have no idea. The, uh, because on, well, I don't even think that that's it either. Uh, because <laughs> I, I think... They're just trying this, to piss I, us off. <laughs> I, I think that, I, I think that um, uh, like, the uh, the new Jeepster um, trim that's kind of come out is going to fall flat on its face. And, uh, you know, I, for one, am definitely going to take a hard stance on this. Uh, that, that That is definitely something that, you know, they should not have ever been done. They should not have pulled that name badge for that particular trim package for that particular vehicle. Uh, so it just, it, it it's not true to what it was in the past. It doesn't. It doesn't jive well with people who are, you know, true Jeep owners, uh, you know, or or enthusiasts for that matter. Uh, and if you own a, a Jeep car, you know, which is essentially <laughs> what a lot of these are, they are automobiles. They are cars. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the the the, right. the Renegade is based on the Fiat 500, like almost all of it. I mean, with the exception <laughs> of a little bit of the body and some of the suspension, it is, for all intents and purposes, a Fiat 500. So, you know, I mean, and that none of that is Jeep at all. It is it is all Italy. It is all Fiat. And a lot of Jeep's lineup right now is just like that. We've got a few vehicles in the lineup that still have a little bit stay true, stay a little bit true to, you know, the the uh, the old Jeep ways. Uh, And I don't want to sound like an old stick in the mud stuck in my ways, you know, old dog, new tricks, that that sort of thing. There's just a certain bit of nostalgia that needs to ring true moving forward with something like a Jeep that won the war. For F's sake, people, come on. There's, you know, there there is a lot of principles here um, that that stand behind all this. You know, a lot of these opinions and, and stances. And and I'm not the only one. Uh, you know, I've taken a hard stance on a lot of things over the years, and we've had a lot of people that call in and you know are raising their fists with me and saying, "Chime on, brother." Uh, and so, you know, it, there are going to be a few out there who, who my opinions are not going to jive with. I'm going to be, have a little attrition with something that you hold true and vice versa. And it's just the way that it is. Uh, and if that causes you to, you know, to, uh, unsubscribe from the show, then so be it. But honestly, I think that says more about you than it does us. Well, we have to be true to our, to our, our feelings. And, 
otherwise we can't be believed and uh it, it like you say there is going to be some attrition sometimes because people aren't going to agree with us and and we certainly understand that uh we appreciate you listening and uh hopefully you'll you'll come back uh, uh, come back eventually uh but I'll, I'll mention this you know uh it's not anything new from jeep that we dislike because whenever the the jl came out uh i was i was very terrified that they were going to just just totally screw that up with with what they did with well, the renegade was, and the new cherokee and yeah. i was really well, was happy rumors too i mean that we were talking about aluminum body we we're talking right. about independent front suspension right. I and there was a lot of things that were like yeah this is not going to sit well with the jeep you know community as a whole yeah and and I think they did a really good job. I mean, uh, somehow, some way, somebody there said, "No, damn it, you're going to leave these designers to design a Jeep, yeah. a modern Jeep." I think that was Mike Manley. I, I think so too. Man. And I, I just, man, Manley. I just like saying Manley. So it's it's. It, it, <laughs> I, I agree with you. This is long as I can say, Mike Manley. Um. So uh. Yeah. No. That's it. That's it. And uh. You know. I don't want to beat the dead horse. But uh. Yeah. So we appreciate you writing in. Uh. And uh, sorry you unsubscribed. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, we're getting into the mailbag once more and answering a listener question about how to make the 4.0 inline 6 with nearly 300,000 miles last a little longer. See, this is what I'm talking about, Fiat 500 and the stuff they put into it. You, you don't, you're not going to get 300K out of that, that four-banger. That they, is it a four-banger or three-and-a-half? It's, it's not much is what's in there. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life it's with Jeep all Mama. good. You don't know what you don't know. When I first bought my Jeep, I had no idea what I was getting into. I didn't know there was this whole Jeep code you signed on for when you became a Jeep owner and entered into this Jeep community. I slowly learned the code from other Jeepers. So what's this code? Well, for one, there's the Jeep Wave. That's pretty much standard, and most Jeepers know this. However, I'm finding out here in Colorado not so much, at least in the valley where I'm staying. When you become a Jeeper, you enter into a special family, a family with a unique passion for all things Jeep, and this passion bonds us. And along with that comes a responsibility. We look out for each other. Another one of those codes is to help a fellow stranded Jeeper. I was told if you see a Jeep stopped on the side of the road, you should make sure they are okay. And you never leave a Jeep behind on the trails. Even if you're not mechanically inclined, you should stop. It's just the Jeep thing to do. Now, I know we had this discussion before in the Jeep talk show, and of course you need to keep safety in mind. Okay, so now I wanted to share some disappointments from this past weekend and a lesson I learned. So this past weekend, we went camping and wheeling in western Colorado in the National Forest as well as a canyon. It was absolutely amazing. Sleeping under the stars away from the sign of civilization and with just some coyotes howling to the moon was so cool. We spent three days wheeling around the mountain forest and through the canyon up and down switchbacks. It was a totally new experience for me. I was the passenger for the most part. Yep, I left my Jeep at home. It was a weekend for me to step back in time. We wheeled our 1969 CJ5 we call Bumblebee. It's yellow and black. We were on that mountain with no doors, no top, and the windshield down. It was an experience so cool, I can't wait to do it again. 
Now, these mountain roads are meant for leisurely strolls. We were in the National Forest, and as you know, there are speed guidelines. And I'm going to sidetrack here for a minute because this part angers me, and I feel Jeepers are getting a bad rap for aggressive side-by-side folks. We were winding around up and down the mountain through the canyon. You couldn't see what was coming around the corner, which means slow caution needs to be taken. As we were coming around one of the corners, I saw evidence of the trail being winded. This was pointed out to me while I was in Moab too. It's when off-road vehicles are speeding around the corners too fast and they start expanding the trails. Or the vehicle wants to take an easy way around an obstacle so new tracks are being made. Now note, these obstacles on these trails, this trail that I was on specifically, were nothing a stock Jeep couldn't crawl over. My gosh, Josh's Honda could have probably made it. So as we were coming around the corner on the side of a mountain, a side-by-side came speeding around. He slowed down barely to pass us. As he passed us by, the driver saluted us with his beer. Then as we started to get back on the trail, another one came speeding up. He came up next to us and we yelled for him to slow down. He just looked at us and floored it, spinning rocks and dust everywhere. I was so angry. Drinking beer, speeding around dangerous mountain turns, all while your kids are in the side-by-side with you? Not a very good example. Later, we found out there were several complaints made to the forestry department, and they were looking for these folks. Sadly, these side-by-side folks haven't been taught the true etiquette of the trails and are giving the rest of us a bad name. Okay, so back to my story. It was a great weekend, and I wish we could have stayed forever, but it was time to head home. We loaded the CJ on the trailer and headed back on the highway. On our ride home, we came across a stranded vehicle. We always stop, even if it's not a Jeep. It happened to be a Grand Cherokee pulling a camper. They were overheating due to a mechanic not replacing the radiator hose properly. And there was no way this Jeep would have made it to the next town. So as good Jeepers, we unloaded the CJ from the trailer, loaded the Grand Cherokee on the trailer, and another passerby in a pickup hooked up the couple's camper. All of us headed to the nearest town. Now, we had forgotten we had used most of the gas in the CJ while we were wheeling. So before we got to town, the CJ ran out of gas. I volunteered to stay back with the Jeep. Neil dropped off the couple's Jeep and rushed back to get me. Now here comes the Jeep code part. Not one Jeeper stopped to check on me. Three JKUs heavily modified, one even with the red rotopacks on the back of his Jeep, and two lifted XJs. I was a little disappointed to say the least. Now a Ford pickup stopped and a state patrol stopped. I will say this, my hood wasn't up and I wasn't waving anyone down. So there is that. Plus, like I said at the beginning, you don't know what you don't know. So I have to remind myself not to get annoyed when I don't get a Jeep wave or if another Jeeper doesn't stop to help me. They might just not know. So it's my job to to educate and spread the word about the Jeep code. As for those reckless side-by-side folks, now I know it's not all, but in my opinion, they should be banned from these trails as they have way too much speed and horsepower. Again, just my opinion. So the next time someone doesn't wave or stop for you, just remember, you don't know what you don't know. Let's spread the word. And just so I can know what I know, what are some other Jeep codes that you find Jeepers don't know? Hmm. 
Yeah, you still got to wave at an XJ, all right? Come on. <laughs> I I usually wave at it. I've got this thing where... where uh, yeah, I like would it, love... It used to be, I wave at like pretty much every Jeep, you know, I mean, necessarily like a, you know, a compass or what, you know... <laughs> I'm not waving at the new renegade. Sorry, don't backtrack now, damn it! (laughs) Uh, So I had to throw that little disclaimer. We'll wave at the people. We wave at the people, Uh, not the jeep. (laughs) Well, and and to be honest, yeah, and and I I, there's ninety percent of the time I don't get a wave back where it's one of those. Oh crap, that was a lifted jeep. I should have probably waved too. Uh, And so you know, it's it's always one of those things where if you're modified, hell, if you've got a set of lights on the front of your bumper and that's it. I'm going to throw up a couple fingers. Hey, what's up? Give a nod. Little Jeep wave to you. You know, it's all about uh, it's all about making it yours. So, uh, but yeah, that's, you know, you're talking about Jeep code and stuff like that. I, Tammy, I think you really hit it all on all cylinders. I mean, you really hit the nail yes. on the head. Talking about even stopping off on the side of the road, even if you're not mechanically inclined, just to make sure somebody's okay. It's the Jeep thing to do. The other thing I wanted to share too, you know, or what I shared about, you know, the side-by-sides and stuff I think as Jeepers, we need to also educate other off-road vehicles out there what they should and shouldn't be doing because it's going to end up closing our trails if we don't all act. And another thing, too, is, uh, you know, when you have four or five Jeeps in your group and you're passing another group and the leader always puts out four fingers or whatever numbers behind us, I can't tell you how many people on the other end go, oh, hi. Like no, dude. It's yeah, the exactly. number that's behind it's, you no, to I'm watch out for. A, yeah. Like, hello. Yeah, oh. I, get, I get confused looks all the time when I'm when I'm you know showing you know the number of vehicles that are behind me, and it's yes. like, why did he show up three fingers? Is he a Boy Scout? You know, <laughs> what is he doing? Yeah, exactly. So it's, funny. It's, no, never mind. <laughs> I was going a, a different direction. The the two in the pink thing. Um. So. Uh, of course uh, you were. <laughs> so no, no, throwing up the shocker is not official uh you know uh, a trail etiquette there uh you know that, that's that's closed uh closed circles there you know this reminds me i don't think i've mentioned this before but uh wendy you probably know the answer to this um whenever you uh put somebody as the tail gunner the the person at the back of the trail uh mm-hmm. isn't that like putting the like uh in little, little league no when that's you get, not like putting put in right the field no <laughs> you, you go play in right field timmy yeah you're good on right field we like you on no, right field those people are in the center they're in the middle of the group <laughs> oh so we, they are identified okay good well because you got to help them along they might be yeah, new they might true. be struggling you don't know so and they, they, they can't see because the sun was in their eyes i understand no, actually, you know, over the last she, several episodes, Wendy's done a very good job of talking about trail etiquette, things to do and not do, especially the things you shouldn't be doing out on the trail. And, and I'm glad Tammy brought up the, you know, make sure you're not drinking alcohol while you're out wheeling and stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, seriously, that's that's probably one of the most important ones it's, right there. I would agree. Very dangerous. Yeah, I mean, no, I've, I've you know, almost been uh, a victim of oh, that myself. let it go, Josh. It's okay. I you can't, didn't get hit. You almost plowed in the back of my Jeep, man. I, <laughs> almost one of those things close that, enough. Man, <laughs> just well, let close it for comfort, go man <laughs> no, yeah. I, I think this is a good segment tammy and i'm glad that you're bringing it up because i think that we as jeepers and especially if we're working with new people we have the opportunity to sort of uh, mentor them and i think these are things we need to bring up you know how to keep the trails open how to have nice mm-hmm. etiquette how to pull over when someone's coming by and just being all around good mentors. And I think that's a really good point that you've brought up. And I'm glad that you did. 
good good segment. Oh, and I'll mention this. It's really hard to get somebody to listen to you about what they're doing wrong. Try to approach anybody that you, you're going to uh, educate about the, the trail use uh, like they had no idea. Uh, I mean, not talking down to them. But you just like dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> now, I told you, let you go of it, Josh. Thing. Just let I go. I got this whole list right here. Shit, you did wrong. <laughs> because you want them listening. And if you, depending on how you approach them, even if they deserve to be slapped around verbally, uh, they're not going to listen and they may not uh, may not do that. Or they just might not come out any, uh, come out again. And, and we don't want that. But if you have a chance to start in the beginning with somebody, and you can kind of guide them correctly. You don't have to have that conversation. So, Very true. And the people you're going to meet on the trail that you're going to try to change their opinion on something, if they're being a jackass, well, you know, it's going to be hard to do that one. But we can try. We need a standards and practices person for the show, come to think of it, because uh, nobody's <laughs> straightened us out. <laughs> I know. It's just me. I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Even if they do own a renegade. <laughs> yeah. Poor souls. So how does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories. So contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Yeah, are you a Jeeper who takes her top off? You like to go topless? I know you do. If so, find out where the best place to go topless is with Mitch in Jeep weather coming up later in the show. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've listened to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now. And I figured I'd time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out. And, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit all right i know you rat bastards have some of that 1200 dollars stimulus check left uh you need to go over you've been spending all that money on jeep parts now you need to go over to the jeeptalkshow.com website go over there on the right hand side uh, if you're on a desktop uh yeah, i think you just scroll up and down on the uh, on the phone app and uh, find where it says subscribe paid subscription it's uh, like uh, a little over two dollars a month it's like virtually nothing. Like a, less than a cup of coffee a month. Yeah, yeah. So, and it helps us out and uh, makes us feel really important because people are will, willing to send us money. <laughs> no, seriously. Oil. Yeah, seriously. Go, go, go sign up and be, and help us. Please help us. <laughs> we need to do a, uh, a telethon and just bore the hell out of people. <laughs> oh, here, take this money. Just go back to the regular show. Facebook live event. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. I just love getting a chance to answer listener questions on the air. And yeah. this week, we've got one about my favorite Jeep engine of all time, the 4-liter inline 6. On this episode, we got to an email written on the show from listener Greg, who says, My wife and I bought a 2000 XJ about three years ago for our then 16-year-old son. We needed an extra vehicle and something safe for him to drive his three siblings to and from school in. That's when a good friend of mine suggested a 97 to 2001 Cherokee. I found one for about 2900 bucks and immediately got hooked with bringing the old Jeep back to life. I thought myself to turn wrenches and have learned most of my skills by watching YouTube. I was not. It was not long after I found your show on the web and started listening. I'm currently on episode 194 and you guys were talking about replacing oil seals and O-rings 
when Josh mentioned that he was approaching 250,000 miles. That got me thinking because I'm confident the previous owner or owners most likely have done zero maintenance to the old girl, which is rapidly approaching 250,000 miles. I was wondering what type of engine maintenance I should be doing to ensure the life of it will last me another 250000 So perhaps a few tips in an email or maybe something for an upcoming episode would be great. Thanks for the great show, Greg. Well, hi, Greg. Thanks for writing in. And I know that Tony got back to you right away with some tips, but I thought your question would be a good one to cover here on the show. The reason why is that between 1907 and 2006, 1971 and 2006, there were literally millions and millions of these engines made for many Jeeps of, of many of Jeep's most popular platforms, including the YJ and the TJ Wranglers, as well as the venerable XJ Cherokees, to name but a few. Those four-liter inline sixes were engineered to last forever, I swear. But if you're knocking on the door of a quarter million miles, then a rebuild is something I would start planning for. My best advice in this realm, to be honest, is just to start socking away some cash. Because in the end, it's really just a matter of having the parts and the time to make it happen. And in time, we can come up with and. Well, parts you got to have the money for. Otherwise, it's just not as bad as a lot of people make it out to be. A Chilton or a Haynes manual will be handy, but I wouldn't do something like a, a rebuild on a 4-liter without a factory service manual or an FSM. These are the manuals that dealers would be using to do the rebuild themselves, so it's an invaluable reference that's worth paying for if you plan on rebuilding an engine yourself. I'd also start looking around for a reputable machine shop who does good work with Jeep heads, somebody who knows what they're doing, who maybe even specializes in Jeep. Just in case, you know. That being said, there are a ton of inexpensive things that you and your son can do together to ensure that the Jeep is going to last for many more years and putting off a full rebuild for as long as you can. And here's where I would start. Doing a compression check on an old or even an unfamiliar motor will tell you a lot about what's going on inside the engine and how much life it may have left. You can rent the kits to do this from parts stores or buy one from Harbor Freight or Amazon, you know, places like that. You get the idea. But I would definitely start there before do, doing much of anything else, to be honest. If the Jeep has good compression, then it likely has a good bottom end with lots of life left in it. If one or more cylinders has, has low compression in it, however, there is going to be a need to be a rebuild happening pretty soon if that motor is to last much longer. The inline 6 is a very resilient motor unto itself. Even so, some of the components, and of course the head, do not seem to last as long as the bottom end usually does. With this XJ being a 2000, Greg, it's likely going to have the 0331 casting head, which means there is a known weak point between the number 3 and number 4 cylinders on it. If the Jeep ever has been or ever were to overheat, then this is the point at which the head will fail. It's not a matter of if. This can be as simple as a warping that occurs and it blows the head gasket, or it can be as severe as a full-on crack in the casting of the head itself which means you'll be looking at a minimum of a possible Magnaflux repair, or most likely, to be honest, a full replacement. And Which isn't really a bad thing, it's just a little bit more expensive, so make sure you shop around if it comes down to that. Ultimately, if I were to boil it all down to just two things that are the most important for keeping a 4-liter alive, it would be this. Keeping that engine cool and keeping its oil pressure up. These are the two things that are going to be the essentials to making it last. Keeping the engine fed with oil is pretty easy as making sure that there are no leaks and that you stay on top of regular oil changes after the fact. The most typical seals to leak on a 4-liter are the valve cover gasket, and fixing this involves uh, removing the valve cover and replacing the gasket. Other components have to be removed in order to make this happen, of course, but it's as simple as unscrewing this, unmounting that, and moving stuff out of the way. Rear main seal is one of those others that uh, is problematic in the Jeeps, and especially in the 4-liters. Fixing this involves removing the oil pan and pressing out the old seal and pushing in a new one. 
As with most Jeep repairs, this is a gross oversimplification, <laughs> but there are some trusted and very well-produced write-ups online that point out some good tips and tricks to make this easier than it may seem. And trust me, it's not very hard, it's just time-consuming and, and very messy. This also means that you're going to be replacing the oil pan gasket at the same time, which is another one that's prone to leaking on the XJs which means that you also want to consider replacing the oil pump since it will be right there in front of you. <laughs> Typically, one may consider removing the fan assembly and the fan shroud as well and then swapping out the water pump and doing a new timing chain all at the same time. The reason why is at the very bottom of the timing chain cover is sealed by the oil pan gasket. And this is one of those famous while you're in there moments, just like with the oil pump. It's also a good excuse at this point to clean the entire engine because if you've made it this far, then you'll likely have things pretty well stripped down and it will be very easy to do, you know, while you're in there. Now, if you do the test and your Jeep has good compression, then you're going to want to do as much external rebuilding as you can. Something like a timing chain job on a motor with good compression is almost like a 100,000 mile guarantee. And trust me, you're going to wish you had that peace of mind if that were the one thing to go when you were all done. Now, the oil filter adapter O-rings are one of those common leaks, but everybody hopes it doesn't ever happen to them. This one is a little bit more entailed, but only in the sense that you may need to make yourself a tool using a Torx bit and a wrench to get the job done. It's honestly a lot easier than it sounds. There's also a ton of great write-ups and videos online of how to both make the tool and do the repair as well. Once the oil situation is taken care of, consider swapping out the power steering fluid. Again, there are some great videos and write-ups on how, to, how this is best done, and it's just one more thing that will help the components on that 4-liter last a little bit longer. Now, the water pump and the thermostat should be inspected and swapped out if they show signs of leaking. Uh, same goes for hoses, belts, the radiator, etc. Basically, if that cooling system isn't 100% working fine, then fix it ASAP. No leaks, no rust, no issues, no exceptions. And pretty much, you're not going to have any problems at that point. That about wraps it up for the motor, but there are other considerations which should not be ignored when dealing with a high-mileage Jeep motor. Next week, we're going to wrap up our two-part series in keeping a 4-liter going long. So, I would say the worst part of uh, the rear main seal repair, replacement repair, is uh, that goddamn oil pan and goddamn gasket. <laughs> it's getting that gasket to stay on. And, uh, and and get all the bolts, and it's just holding it up with one hand. You know, if you can get another pair of hands in there, it uh, it would simplify it because it's just there's just so many bolts, and that gasket just doesn't want to stay. You can put a little RTV. In fact, you you're supposed to put uh, some RTV at the corners. Yeah, I was gonna say there there are a couple of uh, of tricks that you can use. Uh, a wooden dowel is is one of them to, to kind of help things. Uh, you can uh, you can take an old bolt. I mean, if, if you've been working on Jeeps for, for any amount of time, then chances are you've got a, a bin, a box, a jar, something laying around that's got a bunch of extra nuts and bolts and stuff laying around. Grab one, cut the head of it off, and then you can screw that into one of the holes, providing it's got the same you know thread pitch and, and right. size and everything like that. And you can use those as removable dowels to help not only align, but also help the, uh, help the, uh, the gasket stay in place. Uh, like Tony was saying, a little bit of RTV in the corners. Very, very little bit of RTV in the corners will help kind of things uh, stay in place as well. Again, lots of tips and tricks that are online to help this process go a lot easier than what it sounds like. I, I know it's going to be scary, but honestly, all of this yes. can be done with basic hand tools. You've got a good socket set, a good set of you know basic hand tools, then you are set and ready to go. With the only exception of the oil filter adapter O-rings, which you might have to go to you know Northern Tool or Harbor Freight or something, or even Amazon and buy a $2 bit 
that you're then going to have to pound out of a socket and, and put into a wrench. And you know, other than that, I mean, really, we're talking about a little MacGyver action here, and, and you're ready to go. So uh, I was going to uh, ask you this. I, I remember that whenever you were doing having head work done on your head, you uh, the machine shop was charging you significantly more than what I was charged here in the the Houston area because I well, think also, I think mine was around two twenty five, and they they boiled it, cleaned it. Uh, check the springs, put it all back together. It was gorgeous. I mean, if I could have had a, a nice clear valve cover, I would have, I would have put one on there. Uh, but yeah, but no, I think they, yours they was nice upwards of back. like three or four hundred bucks, if I remember correctly. Uh, closer to six. But yeah, yeah. that's just uh, insane to me. I don't know yeah. what the difference. Well, was. here's here's why. Um, so the reason why I went with the shop that I did, and I did do a fair amount of research and, and homework before I ended up even walking through the door of this place. Um, and the reason why I went with this place is because in, in the area that I live in, these guys are the ones who have the most experience with AMC, Jeep, and Chrysler heads. And, and so being a Jeep specialist, and, and after talking with these guys, I, I was very much convinced of this fact that they really knew what they were talking about when it came to, when it came to Jeep heads. And, and so they were very familiar with the difference between the TUPY and the 0331 heads and you know all the different castings and whatnot. And I talked with them in detail about where my build was at and, and the direction that I was going with my build and the purpose of my Jeep and, and what I do with it and how I drive it and all this other stuff, these, these finer details that a shop who's about to perform fine surgery on a Jeep head needs to know because there were some things in there that I really needed to convey. And because I, I wasn't just having them deck the head and, and put in some new springs and, and check the clearances and stuff like that. They were doing a light port and polish on that. They were taking care of, of some uh, some flow issues that the Jeep heads are known to have, even though the 99 head is the most highest flowing uh, head out of all the inline six heads that were ever manufactured. There are still some improvements that can be made. However, if you get too aggressive with that, you start changing the displacement of the, of the, of the motor and you start essentially changing, uh, moving the torque curve in the RPM range. And I wanted to keep my torque way down low where I'm going to be using it the most in low range in, you know, for low with the RPMs staying, you know, below a couple few thousand a lot of the time. And, and so I wanted most of my horsepower and grunt down low. And if I started doing too much porting and polishing and turning my head into a race engine head, um, then I was going to lose all of that. And, and so ex having um, a shop who knows how to do this sort of stuff, and who knows where that line in the sand is and who can really connect with a customer and give them what they want out of a build, out of a, re uh, out of a head rebuild um, that involves more than just, you know, uh, decking the bottom and, and replacing some springs, uh, you know, uh, doing some, uh, you know, valve guide work and stuff like that. You know, all that is, is, is common. But when you start getting into the actual flow of the head, how the air is moving through in and out of the head itself, um, that, that gets into some work where you need to have a, a shop who really knows what they're doing. Uh, do the work for you. You know, for another uh, $900, you could have got the Edelbrock uh, full yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> while you were in there, uh, you know. Um, well, the thing was is so that, that, I, that all of this uh, came at a very, very bad time in my life. I, I had had a, a medical situation that, that popped up oh. and put me in the hospital for, for a little bit. And, and you know, this, this all came, you know, all was all happening at once. My Jeep blew up, this medical issue all came down. And it just, I mean, when it rains, it pours. Uh, and it seems to be a common theme in my life. Uh, and so, um, it was just, I, you know, one of these things where the listeners, uh, just really helped out a lot, came to my support and, and all of you who are still listening to this day, oh, that's uh, right. I through, remember that through me with that. Yeah. Went through that with me. Uh, still, you know, I thank you guys wow. from the bottom of my heart. You guys are awesome. 
So I have a question for you, Josh. Oh, please. The factory service manual from a newbie standpoint, is that designed with pictures and graphs and helping you? Or is it written for laymen? Or is it something you need a degree for if someone was to tackle that? I'm going to say that I'm going to answer all that with one with one word. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there, it's going to be a little bit of a mixed bag. There are going to be a lot of, um, there, not a lot. There's going to be a fair amount of terminology in there that you, you'll have to be a kind of a, an automotive person to understand. Um, but a lot of those terms are also indexed. You can look them up and, and there's oh, definitions cool. and stuff like that. That being said, there, it, it is, it is very much step by step. You need to do this. You need to remove that. You, this is torqued to that. Do this first. It's this is you know at this clearance with this. I mean it 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 breaks it down to the absolute nanometer of things. And so um, the the kinds of things that you don't get out of a Chilton or a Haynes manual, there are a lot more diagrams. There are a okay. lot more pictures. And and if you if you find one in a digital format, this enables you to zoom in on some of these be, diagrams yeah. and stuff. That'd be oh, awesome. Oh man, let me tell you how invaluable that is. Uh, and just like when I was rebuilding my transfer case, having a factory service manual on hand for rebuilding a transfer case made that so much easier. Even though the kit that I got from Novak, uh, Novak Adapt was was great, and it had pictures, and it was very well, um, you know, uh, uh, very well written and everything like that. I still had to turn to my factory service manual uh, for some clarification on some things, uh, just because it had better information, it had better diagrams, it had better pictures. So uh, if you're a four liter uh, uh, Jeep owner, I highly recommend tracking down a factory service manual. They are going to be a little bit hard to find uh, in, in hardback or in, in actual tangible form. But if you can find a digital format factory service manual for your Jeep, spend whatever you have to to get it because it will be <laughs> the, the absolute best thing that you could ever do for your Jeep. And, and I'll just mention the factory service manual for me, my, in my experience, is good for uh, looking up the torque uh, values, like on the mains and the rods. Uh, it's going to be good for uh, when you're plastic gauging uh, the, the rod bearings uh, on the crank that you make sure that it's within the right uh, tolerances and the, the manual will tell you what those tolerances should be. There's, there's several things like that. Uh, but the rest of it, uh, it to me, is useless. Uh, I mean, it, the, it goes together very easily. Uh, there's some basic things that you need to remember. You need to remember that you, if you're going to take the rod caps off, you need to number those rod, cap, rod caps, number the pistons if you're taking that out so you can get everything back together uh, uh, matched with what it was, what it's been matched with for, you know, 250,000 yeah. miles. So uh, it's not a bad, bad thing to have, but I would highly recommend the, uh, the digital version because there's so many things that you can put that on like on your phone and you have it yeah. right there. You're not worried about getting grease all over the pages or tearing them or anything else. Oh, real Good. quick before I remember, uh, before I forget, uh, Josh, I'm glad you mentioned the tuppy head because I was going to mention that. Uh, and, and I think that was what, uh, halfway through 2000 that uh, they came out with the, the, the tuppy or tuppy head uh, on the 0331. Yeah, I, I don't re remember exactly when in the model run that, uh, that they brought that out. But yeah, you're right. It was, it was somewhere in the middle. So if you, if you look, and I think, uh, I, I think I read that you could actually remove the, uh, and this is for the 2000 that, that you have. If you remove that uh, oil cap and look down, straight down, you should be able to see uh, embossed into the, uh, the, the casting of the head T-U-P-Y. And if you have a T-U-P-Y or Tuppy head in that 2000, it will be 
less prone to cracking and what Josh was saying. If you do not have a, a, a TUPY head, my opinion is get another head. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's no sense in, in going through rebuilding an engine or even having head work done uh, on, on a head that possibly will crack whenever, it, whenever your uh, 4.0 overheats, and, it, and it's going to. So um, just, just do away with it. You can get ahead for, for probably just like next to nothing. The 99 is a good, uh, and I forget the casting uh, number, but you can look it up online. The 99 is an excellent flowing head like Josh mentioned. Uh, 95 is also a good, uh, a good year. So the, and you should be able to find them out there. Well, yeah, but a 95 head is not going to work on a 2000 block. So just uh, be advised. Well, until the next episode, if you have a question for Tech Talk, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. On episode 149 of the Jeep Talk Show, we interviewed a Jeep Cherokee owner named Kyle. Well, we're driving around there looking for a parking space, and we just see him parked there, and I was like, are you serious? The diagonally parked Corvette owner, just feet from the restaurant's entrance, took up two parking places. I see what Jeep owner probably would have done. I mean, I was just like, okay, screw it. I'm just going to park on the curb. The story was covered well in the news, but there was more to the story. Well, I mean, I never told any reporter that I was driving, he comes in the opposite direction. You don't know what you've missed unless you go back and listen. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nuggets. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, I just love when we blaze a new trail or find some hidden gem in our beautiful mountains. And I love when you get an opportunity to learn something new along the way and that nothing ever goes according to plan. We decided to do an easy run on Memorial Day on uh, 1N38 off of Highway 38 in the mountains and had another Jeep join us. My dad came up. We had a good friend with us as well. Now, this trail climbs up to around 8,500 feet and is called Heart Bar Peak. It's a trail you drive in and out the same way. It goes pretty steep up towards the top, which could qualify it for a black diamond, but mostly it was an easy trail. And as we were climbing up this trail, it dawned on me that this trail was pretty simple and we were going to arrive around 1030 and that was too early for lunch. So we ventured off this trail onto another one just up the road to 2N93. Now 2N93 is a fire road that travels up and over Sugarloaf Mountain, which is one of the higher peaks that rims Big Bear, Big Bear Valley. A few miles in on this trail, it was close to lunchtime, so we found a great turnout where we could sit and enjoy lunch. Now, this was a rare location that offered views of all three of the Southern California mountain peaks. The closest mountain we could see was San Gregonio at about an elevation of 11,500 feet. In the distance, we could see San Jacinto, which is close to Palm Springs, and that's at about 10,800 feet. And then there's San Antonio, also known to us locals as Mount Baldy, at about 10,000 feet. And along with this was a 360-degree view of the valleys and mountains around us. It was truly awesome. So after lunch, we continued up and over Sugarloaf Mountain and down into Big Bear Lake. I have to tell you, the views overlooking all of the Big Bear and the lake are worth the trip. Being up high in elevation like that and being able to see the whole Big Bear, Big Bear area is breathtaking. It's simply priceless. We continue to the end of 2N93, which ends down in town, and Bill says, you know, it's still early. Why don't we go do Gold Mountain? After checking with Mike Zen, our other jeeper, he said he'd been on Gold Mountain a few times and he was up for the challenge. So I said, why not? Now, Gold Mountain is a forest road, 3N69 for those of you keeping track, and is one of the trails listed in the Jeep Badge of Honors trails. I know Tammy and Tony have done it. Josh, you need to find some time to come down to Southern California so we can get you out on these Black Diamond trails. <laughs> now, 
Gold Mountain is a rocky and rutted trail with some sharp turns and two major obstacles and waterfalls. Once through these two obstacles, we had the opportunity to go through an area called the Rock Garden. This is an area the size of two football fields on the side of a mountain. No plants, just rocks, just loose rocks. They vary in size from watermelon to three foot. They are on top of one another and there is no dirt to hold them in place. Just rocks on rocks. So as a result, they make an eerie sound as you drive over them and as they shift on one another. So check out the Facebook post where I shared a video with this sound and you'll see what I'm talking about. Now after the rock garden comes a steep hill climb with a few sharp hairpin turns. Some of the turns are nothing but boulders. So Bill decides to take the more challenging line and gets himself <laughs> turtled. This was a good turtle too. For those of you not familiar with that term, imagine a turtle that's stuck on a rock and none of his feet can touch the ground. Well, all four of Bill's tires are now spinning in the air. Nothing is touching the ground. He couldn't go forward or backwards. Goes to show you that even a very experienced driver can get themselves stuck now and again. Well, this is where I learned something new. We determined that we only needed to move the Jeep back a couple of inches and decided to use a toe strap and have Mike tug him backwards off the rock. Mike says, I have a speed strap. Let's use that. Bill and I looked at each other and said, what's a speed strap? Well, this is one of the coolest straps I've ever seen. It's essentially a strap with several loops sewn at each end to create a system where you weave the end of the strap in and out back through itself. As you pull with it, it tightens on itself to create this awesome strength, sort of like Chinese finger cuffs. I would not have believed it would work had I not seen it myself. I'm used to a shackle or soft shackle that we didn't use any of that. You just feed the end through a D-ring or some attachment point on your Jeep and simply weave the ends back through itself to get the length you need. And then you tug. Now, all of our straps on the Jeep are 10 foot, 20 foot or 3 foot lengths that we can fold, double or triple to shorten them. But the, steep, the speed strap is infinitely more adjustable. This comes in handy when you're on a hill or in a canyon and you don't have room to move around. I'm pretty sure we'll be adding this to our Jeep soon. Now, once we got Bill off his rocker, <clears throat> we proceeded farther down the trail when Mike got stuck. His rear diff was stuck on a rock and he had peeled his stock diff dick Sorry, he had peeled his stock diff cover. Yeah, try to say that three times. <laughs> back while sliding forward on the rock. Not any big deal because it didn't seem to be leaking gear fluid. But we did pull him off that rock and finish the trail. Bill suggested Mike follow us back to the house so he could check the cover and turns out it was okay. However, Bill did end up pounding it back in place with a large mallet. It never leaked, but we're pretty sure Mike's next upgrade will be a couple of Poison Spider hard diff covers. Uh-huh. Well, as luck would have it, after Bill was finished working on Mike's Jeep, Mike tried to start his Jeep so he could air up his tires and nothing. His starter was spinning, but not turning the engine over. Fortunately, it happened right there in our driveway, not on the trail. Bill tried tapping on it a few times to get it to engage with no luck. So he pulled it out to see if he could repair it on the bench. No luck. It was shot, broken in several pieces. Wow. So since this was a holiday and no parts stores were open and Mike happens to live off the hill about two hours away, we offered to let Mike stay the night so he could pick up a new starter the next day. It's what you do for friends and fellow Jeepers. We don't leave anyone stranded. Next morning, they were off to the auto parts store, came back with a new starter in hand, and an hour later, Mike was on his way. We had such a great time jeeping, and it was a good reminder for all of us to always go out with someone else. You just never know what may happen. Had Mike starter gone out on the trail and he was alone, it would have been a long walk to get some help. 
It's also a gentle reminder that as individuals, we always need to help each other whenever possible. You never know who you're hanging with or wheeling with that may have skills or knowledge you may need from time to time. Uh, it was a good run, you guys. Do you have any uh, comments on you've been on a run where things didn't go quite as planned? I do have a comment uh, about uh, Bill being turtled. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, in, a, in a previous episode, in a previous uh, a Newbie Nuggets uh, segment, uh, I mentioned uh, that Bill should get uh, long arms for that Jeep because you were talking about mm -hmm. upgrades. I think I long, did pass I th that on to him. <laughs> I think long arms probably would have kept him from being uh, turtled. So, Bill, you know what you need it to. Was, yeah, <laughs> you need to. You need to put the long arms on. Don't let Wendy tell uh -huh. you no. She just say uh huh. <laughs> uh huh. That's what I have learning to say. Uh huh. <laughs> uh, I'm just. I've how seen about you, so Josh? Much I've seen so much carnage over the years, you know, I mean, just the most insane trail repairs and recoveries and stuff that I, I it's just like, I've got so many stories. And, and so it's like, I can't, I can't just like pick one. They're um, all my favorites. From, They're all my well, favorites. Right? <laughs> oh, everything from like, okay, so um, let's see what this was on the uh, 10 year Naxja anniversary run out in Natchez, Washington. And uh, one of the guys that was in our group had broke his drive line. And oh. so he uh, limped it back to limped it back to camp in front wheel drive. Essentially, uh, you know, you're still in four wheel drive, but you have no rear drive line, so you've got front wheel drive. Uh, mm -hmm. And so limped his jeep back front wheel drive, had to tow him out of the trail. Uh, and I've actually got some video, I think, or at least a couple pictures of of me um, with his jeep on the back of my jeep, you know, on the back with a tow strap, and uh, wow. kind of one of those, you know, ha, I got you on your tow strap, you know, yeah, type exactly. of uh, type of pictures. And uh, but. Uh, uh, yeah, anyways, uh, back to camp and, uh, you know, no spare driveline. The entire group did not have a spare driveline in the entire, in the, I don't know, the, the 50 vehicles, 60 vehicles we had there. Or so, wow. and um, so what ended up happening was uh, we got, we kind of pulled all the supplies together. We ended up coming up with a welding kit, uh, which uh, was three batteries, two sets of jumper cables, a um uh a set of vice grips and some welding <laughs> no rods kidding. and some, some oh chopsticks no with kidding. aluminum foil. No kidding. <laughs> and we welded his drive line back together off the edge of some guy's trailer. And I I mean it was the most insane thing that I've ever seen. But we all came together <laughs> like jeepers, got this guy's drive line back together. I mean it was this like five six man process. You know everybody's chiming in and getting in. I'll oh, do this, do that. Here let me hold this. Let me go grab that. You know everybody was willing to help. And in the end, he ended up wheeling the rest of the weekend. It was awesome. But, I mean, yeah, amazing. it was kind of one of those things that wasn't planned, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, kind of had a happy ending. Thundercats unite. <laughs> I love that story. It's just, it's so true, though. It's you just come together and fix it. I mean, had we been on the trail, we probably would have had to, you know, either roll him down. He, he was a stick shift, too, by the way. It was manual. So doing Gold Mountain in manual, I got to give kudos oh. to Mike. I'll tell you what. He, did, he didn't need a starter. He could have just push started it. Yeah, except we were going uphill at the time. No, no, I mean whenever you was in your in your uh, driveway, but that would have yeah, been a, that would have been a pucker factor two hour drive. Don't don't stop, don't stop. You know, it's not something we could have done. And you know, Bill's very mechanically inclined. He pulls that starter out. I can fix that. Well, it turns out it's plastic parts in there. So oh, <laughs> no, gee, no, I hope no, the replacement yeah. wasn't. No, it wasn't. But Good. it was just one of those things. Bill was kind of like, I don't think I've seen this. Damn <laughs> so, engineers. Hey, real yeah. quick, I, I want to throw out there a little uh, a little public service announcement. Uh, Wendy, you mentioned a, a brand name, Speedstrap. And uh, yes. this is a, a great company. They've been around for a little while now. However, 
they got their uh, their their call to fame in the ATV world and the UTV world and stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of what they have to offer is not rated for for Jeeps. They do have some products. They do have some recovery gear that is rated for Jeeps. But if you are looking for a speed strap for your Jeep, you must get a two inch strap. It is a yes. You know, you, the one and a half is not going to cut it. You will break it. Uh, no question. So don't try and skimp. Don't say, well, I, you know, I've never get myself into that much trouble. It shouldn't be that mm-hmm. too much of a problem. No. One and a half is not going to cut it. You need the two-inch strap, which they are currently sold out of because I don't think that they really realize just how much of a uh, of a demand that Jeeps have, uh, Je- the Jeep world has for, uh, for recovery gear. So, uh, yes, it, we'll have the link in the show notes for this episode if you want to go check out Speedstrap for yourself. Uh, but uh, just be advised, if you are looking for a product like this for your Jeep, you will need the minimum of the two-inch strap. So just a uh, just an announcement out there for everybody who's looking into this stuff. But the the yeah. smaller the smaller speed strap would probably be okay for the new Renegade, is what you're saying. Oh, Tony, <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna egg them on, aren't you, Tony? Okay. <laughs> uh, how about you, Tammy? Um, I would just like to say that um, first of all. I've wheeled with Mike. Um, I know you have. Our first wheeling trip together was on Black Bear, or not Black Bear Pass, Cold Mountain. Um, Yep. And that was his first major trail, and he is a fantastic wheeler. Yep. Um, That's good. And the other thing is, every single time I go out, never goes as planned. (laughs) (laughs) Whether it's me or whoever, but that's okay because... Mm -hmm. It yeah. makes the adventure a lot more fun yeah. and interesting. Well, you learn, and you learn it things. Does. And yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty much every every trail ride, every adventure never goes as planned. So you mentioned Black Bear Pass. Is that was that a yeah. uh, something that's coming up, and you're going to be doing that uh, here pretty soon while you're in Colorado? You don't want to miss that. Actually, we will be doing it, ah. but I will be the She's videographer. She's going to be walking it. I was going to say, are you going to yes. walk it? You're not going to drive in it. <laughs> yeah, I already. Because um, <laughs> this past weekend in Escalante Canyon, we did, um, in the uh, 69 CJ, we did this little thing that was kind of like Black Bear Pass. And there is no effing way I will ever be able to drive Black Bear Pass. <laughs> no. Tammy, Tammy has a fear of heights, if you guys didn't pick up on that. Well, actually, we decided it's not really fear of heights. It's fear of edges that go straight oh. <laughs> down thousands or of feet. Or you mean lack of edges. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And, and, and I think this is common. Uh, it's really not the heights. It's the fear of, of slapping your ass on the ground from thousands of feet up. It's, it's right. that last few seconds of your life that uh, it concerns uh-huh. you. <laughs> so, anyway, Mike is a great guy and... Um, I'm glad you guys got to wheel with him. He's yeah, he's he's, he's part of our club. We, yeah, yeah, oh, and he, he spoke highly of both you and Neil, and talked about your. I mean, he was here. We had dinner. We, you know, he he was spending some time with us off the trail. Yeah. So it was kind of nice to get to know him a little more, and it was right. just a fun time. So it was all good. Yeah, we spent two weeks together with him. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how he put up with us, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh, <laughs> if you can uh, get a trailer or something and uh, go down there to. Uh, to uh, John Bull and Gold Mountain, boy, you just oh my gosh, you got to do it. It is just absolutely Holcomb gorgeous. Creek. I mean, seriously, we'll set you up for the weekend. We'll we'll get you down here, Josh. You got to come down. Yeah, I'm I'm itching to get back to the Rubicon. Even it's it's been calling to me the last couple of years. I, I was talking with a with a buddy of mine who was on that trip with me uh, that we went to the Rubicon, and it was it was just such an epic journey. And we were sitting here having you know a little bit of nostalgia, kind of you know reminiscing a. Uh, 
uh, reminiscing about the day all day, days of uh, on the Rubicon and and it's just I mean uh, it was such an awesome trip and it was just one of those one of those life experiences that will forever stay with me uh, just because of I mean one it was some of the most amazing scenery that I've seen and and that's coming from somebody who's lived in the Pacific Northwest and, yeah. and, and been up here in in what a lot of people would consider the most majestic land in the United States. Um, but, you know, seeing, uh, seeing some of those, you know, those granite shelves and some of the vistas out on the, on, on the Rubicon was just absolutely amazing. And then the camping spot that we had next to the lake, uh, I mean, just the whole journey was wow. just utterly amazing, an absolute adventure. And it's, it's, so it's calling to me. I want to get back and I want to do it again. And, and I know that, that California has a lot of trails to, uh, to offer, um, and, but, uh, but man, the Rubicon is calling to me, so I'd, uh, I'm going to have to stop off in, uh, in, in Nevada here. Pretty need, soon. To, need to do both. Yeah. Plan a week. Come on out. Okay. Well, reach out and let us know your newbie story, or maybe you have a topic or suggestion for newbie nuggets. And if you want more info, check out my YouTube channel on Jeep 4-1-1 with more tips, tricks, and techniques. From the mind of Nikki G. Portion of Nikki G. It's rated R. Really? Did he just say that? <laughs> hey, this is Nikki G. And I uh, gotta say, this COVID 19 thing the ends in sight. The government opened up the forests here in North Carolina. It looks like it's uh, the wheeling season's gonna start soon. I took all my camping gear out and cleaned it up, make sure it's in working order like I do every year. And uh, me and Wendy usually spend a night sleeping in the backyard in the tent. Just to make sure everything's up and uh, running. But uh, this year, Henry the Rooster, about 1 o'clock in the morning, started crowing. I don't know if he didn't adjust for daylight savings time or whatnot. But it got real loud and real bad. And I woke Wendy up and she screamed, I'm going to choke that chicken. <laughs> yeah, I, at first I got very excited. And then I got very disappointed. And then I got a black eye. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. And you have a good one. Bye. Ah, reminds me of some of the CB days, the old CB yeah, days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's over there choking his chicken. Uh, yep, yep. Fun, fun. Wow, I heard wow, that one wow. in a while. Yep. <laughs> you must have needed this every day. It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. We've all been there before. Sitting on the trail, engine off, maybe engine idling uh, to keep the heat, AC, or radio going. Just waiting for your turn to try something eight times before pulling cable. <laughs> okay, maybe that's just me. But if you've spent any time on the trail, then you undoubtedly know about that guy. There's one in every group and in almost every situation, but the one I'm referring to is the Jeeper who you can hear from the other side of the park because his D-rings are banging against his bumper like door knockers on crack. The clanging can be heard for miles, and every bump, rock, root, and dip in the trail has his bumper ringing out like Big Ben. Look, recovery points are critical when off-roading, and nothing complements the look of a bumper like a pair of beefy three-quarter-inch shackles hanging off the face. Shackles, D-rings, 
Levis, that metal loop thingy, whatever you want to call them, they're almost an essential part of any recovery kit. And you can find them on the outside face of nearly any aftermarket Jeep bumper nowadays. And it's for good reason. These things are a proven design that's been around for a long time. The first patent for a D-ring clevis was issued on January 11th, 1887 to its inventor, Frank S. DeMont. And in the last 133 years since its invention, the design hasn't really changed all that much either. The one flaw in the design, however, is how 100 years in the future these things would become so damn annoying. So, in my attempts to prevent you from becoming that guy, or gal, whose clanging bumper is so damn loud you can't even hear yourself fart, I present to you D-Ring Isolators. These things are made by a dozen different companies and have been around for many years now, but they are there are only a few who offer you everything that you need to quiet down a Jeeper's favorite recovery accessory completely. Usually made from a polyurethane or a plastic of some kind, they clip on the lower loop part of the clevis and prevent that metal-to-metal -metal contact of the D-ring to the bumper and turn that loud clang into a soft thud. Now, the reason why I'm highlighting this kit specifically from Rhino USA is twofold. First, they're made in the USA by a father-son team in California. And second, it's that this is a complete kit. Reducing the noise is one aspect of a, of a D-ring isolator kit. But preventing the D-ring from swinging freely to begin with is the second half of this winning combo. Not only do you get the lower ring guard that is essential for knocking down that clang, but you also get washers for the sides, tightening up the grip of the shackle that it has on the bumper itself and limiting how freely it moves. This will in no way get in the way when it's time for a recovery and will still allow the full motion of the D-ring itself, but limit it from freely traveling through the swing. The best part, they come in a multiple multitude of colors and are less than 12 bucks for a pair of them. Yeah, that's right. For less than 30, you can outfit the front and rear bumpers of your Jeep. How cool is that? Do you have to remove the uh, the bottom part of the isolator before you actually use the, the D-ring? Is it going to booger it up with uh, the you cable? Know, you know, for something like uh, closed winch, uh, closed loop winch systems, then maybe, um, you know, if you're if you're running like some Factor 55 gear, then there are might be some um, some issues where the, the, the mating surfaces, you would want to have that off. But literally those things snap on and off. It's not something that you'll need to break out the toolkit. Uh, to to remove, They're, it's not you know screwed on or welded on or glued on or anything like that. Uh, they snap on and off. Um, the reason why is because you know if it were to come down to an essential recovery point where you need a uh, rope sliding through that or you were in a closed uh, loop winch system or something like that, you're going to want to have those easily removable just for that reason. So and and they are. So the the little um, uh, rings, the little um, washers that you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, if uh, if somebody wasn't to tighten the the D ring pin uh, enough, would that keep Tammy from losing her D ring in the future? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> exactly. Oh, <no>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only if it was purple. No, there are a couple of other manufacturers out there who are doing something <laughs> similar. Uh, but the reason why I went with these guys is because a lot of the other kits that I'm seeing uh, come with O rings instead of washers. And, and the O-rings I don't like because they can roll under and they can fold right. and, uh, and it's just, it's not, it's not what I would uh, consider the best design from an engineering standpoint. So that's why I'm highlighting the Rhino USA kit, uh, because they're doing something differently than the other people are. And, uh, and I'm really standing behind these guys. That's great. We appreciate you uh, bringing that to our attention. Well, now that you must have a set of these Rhino USA D-ring isolators for your Jeep, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com. Look for the link in the show notes for episode 439. Josh, is it hot over there? It's hot over here. Good. <laughs>
<laughs> Why do we have a fire? We need an open refrigerator. We need to drag a refrigerator out here and open it up. Giant pit of compressed Freon. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, but I'm glad we all have our Jeeps out here. I noticed that there's one thing in common about all the Jeeps here around the campfire. They're all either Wranglers or Cherokees. And, uh, you know, those kind of fall into what a lot of Jeepers would consider, you know, Jeeps. Uh, and there's a lot of Jeeps that fall into a category that are outside of those and, and what a lot of people consider not Jeeps. Uh, Jeeps that are um, otherwise uh, uh, doesn't have the off-road prowess that uh, that the Cherokee or, or the certainly the Wrangler uh, has had for for decades and decades. Um, new to the show, you know, or new new to the world, uh, Jeeps. You know, the, the Compass, the Liberty, the Renegade. They haven't been around for all that terribly long, and they certainly don't have the reputation that the Wrangler does, that the CJ line did, or that the Cherokee line certainly has. And I'm talking about the '84 to 2001 XJ Cherokees. Uh, not the new Cherokees. And, um, you know, it's one of those things to where, you know, do we pick on them? Do we single them out? Well, in a way, yes. Uh, and, and it's, you know, is it for good reason? Well, it is for a reason. It's we're not making this stuff up. We're not doing this just to, you know, to be, you know, people that, uh, that, that your mama warned you about or something like that. <laughs> uh, it is because these are the vehicles that you don't see out on the trail. Um, and, and, you know, everybody's got their opinions about these vehicles and I kind of want to peel back the layers of some of our listeners and our hosts about what they think about these other Jeeps. Now we kind of touched on this topic a little bit at the top of the show or a little bit earlier in the show, um, talking about the, the Renegade specifically, but there are other models as well. Um, that, you know, I mean, the, the Jeep went through a very big PR stunt, uh, dragging the new Cherokee through the Rubicon when it first came out or before it came out even. Uh, and look, hey, here's this Cherokee that with this brand spanking new design, and it's pretty much just a car. But hey, we drug it through the Rubicon, and you can too, <laughs> but not really. And it's like the, if you look behind the scenes and, and saw like the entire uh, actual write-up about what this whole was, it was nothing but a PR stunt. They brought in a truck with a trailer. They drug this thing off the trailer and posted up in, with some photo shoots. They did drive parts of the Rubicon, but it was the same part of the Rubicon that you could drive a Subaru on. Uh, they didn't really do any obstacles. They took every single bypass, and all the pictures that we're taking were all, you know, for really just that, for advertising purposes only. And it was strictly a, a misleading uh, ad campaign that set people up for the belief that if you buy a Cherokee, you can be an off-road king like a Wrangler, just with half the price tag, because that's what this was all about was appealing to the kind of people who want a Jeep but can't afford and, a Jeep. And you have all these amenities and the on-road uh, comforts and, you know... Oh, you, don't get you me can, started you can on do, the driver-assisted technology. Yeah, but I'm just saying, now, you got everything. You got the off-road, you got the on-road, you look cool, you're driving a tennis shoe. What more could you want? <laughs> you're driving a tennis shoe. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I want to I talk to some of the list because I, I may be way out on a limb here. I, I'm pretty sure I, I know where the hosts stand. We'll get, we'll get to them. But let's get to some of our listeners because... It, it's you guys out there who take us to task on this sort of stuff. And so I want to find out if we're just, you know, uh, out here, you know, uh, setting ourselves up with a big target on our back or if we're actually talking some science here. So uh, let's let's turn to Chris first. Chris, what do you have to say about the other Jeeps in the in, in Jeeps lineup? Uh, don't like them. It waters down the brand. I get it. They're in the business to sell as many units as they can. Uh, I appreciate the fact that they've kept the Wrangler. Uh, alive in its current form and have the Rubicon and the special editions that are, are really top notch off-road capable off the factory floor, but just, it waters down the brand. And, and I, it, it, I mean, if it says Jeep, it's a Jeep and that's what somebody thinks. 
that, that's fine. Uh, each to each their own. But uh, I think ultimately it, it hurts the brand. And if if they lost the Wrangler, if they stopped the Wrangler, then it would just all go downhill. So it's it's I, I don't care for them. Uh, the Renegade, I'll, in my experience, I was given a Renegade to drive from the dealer late last year when I had my my Wrangler in for warranty service. And surprisingly, it was the most uncomfortable vehicle I've ever driven. Wow. Oh, I just, can you, can I, you tell I us why? That to any, it just the, the, the fit finish and the ride. I'm, I'm 6'4, about 230 pounds, so not oh, small as like me. Yeah. And uh, I was just, it was just, it, it's hard to explain. I drove it three miles from the dealer to my office. Jeep was done at the end of the day, drove it three miles back to the dealer, didn't even have to put a drop of gas in it. And I was, I was uncomfortable. I mean, and it, it just, it was just uncomfortable and it, it, it felt cheap and it was a latitude. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't the most basic model. Mm -hmm, I, just, mm -hmm. didn't, I really didn't like it. I really didn't like it. And I even, I shared my feedback with someone I know who drives one. It's their vehicle. I, I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but yeah, I, I, I was unimpressed. What was, uh, I'm just curious for the, the one that owned one, what did they think about uh, owning it? They liked it. They, they, they like it and, and they've since got a compass and, and they think it's a Jeep. And, and I, I feel a little guilty because I don't think we can do the off-road stuff like you can. And I, yeah, I don't think you could either, uh, <laughs> right. but it says, it says Jeep and that's the perception people have. Yeah. It says Jeep. I, I can go where you go. Right. It's like, no, I've, uh, mine's lifted a couple inches, bigger tires. It's, it's uh, a little more capable. I mean, and just from the factory, uh, you know, just stock, both of them. Uh, the, the Wrangler is going to be, whether it's a JK or a JL, is going to be much more capable off-road than uh, what that uh, Renegade is. And, oh, in and, so many ways, And you can't too, yeah. build the Renegade. I mean, I think they got a half-inch lift now for it, and there's a couple of things that you can do. Uh, but uh, that, that's, that's my concern is, is that you've spent this money on a Jeep. And you you're not informed if if you if you're just driving it because you like the way it looks you like the way it drives absolutely you know welcome to the Jeep world it's just not the Jeep off road world right absolutely and 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 just very quickly years ago Land Rover was one of my clients we were at the 2006 2007 auto show in Detroit and they were laughing at the whole trail rated concept and, and <laughs> land, Ro land rover has gone to yeah, it's a sports car now yeah, yeah. but it was telling and they, they said then they said back then they said this is the wrong thing to do for the jeep brand that they're going to hurt the brand and i think i believe they have but perhaps that's why you can still buy a rubicon so i mean it's a trade-off and the special edition rubicons and the very capable factory uh, rubicon and special recon edition yeah so, so no, don't get me started on on a special editions and trim <laughs> packages too. Goodness so, gracious! So no hate for the for your Renegade owner friend. Uh, it's just no, no. you dislike the Renegade, and like you said, waters down the Jeep brand. And and I agree with you on that. I think it does water it down. That's very well put too. It's actually a a, a term that I, I've never really thought of before in this context. And and absolutely right, it does water down the brand. Very well put because I mean that's essentially what's happening here. We got a lot of these. These very, very car-like Jeeps that are essentially uh, bringing much more carness to what was otherwise a very truck-like Jeep brand. So uh, let's let's hear from Greg. Uh, Greg, what's your experience with uh, you know the these other Jeeps that uh, that maybe aren't you know body-on-frame, uh, certainly don't have the the off-road uh, heritage 
uh, that the like the Wrangler uh, does and, and and whatnot. So where where do you stand on on these other Jeeps? Well, you know, I did have I, I work in construction, and oftentimes I have to rent different vehicles to get from uh, job site to job site. And one time, uh, the project manager I was working with and I had to rent a uh, vehicle and ended up being a, a 2019 Grand Cherokee, and it had all the bells and whistles on it that it, that the Grand Cherokee offers. I think it had the the Hellcat engine in it, maybe, and it had oh, the, oh goodness. Yeah, and it had the it had that button you could hit where where the suspension would raise up or lower down, and it would give you like a three or four inches of lift just just sitting there by hitting the button. It was pretty slick. And we got to go out there on the right away that we were at and just drive around in mud a little bit. It, it performed very well, but again, I don't have anything to compare that to because I've never been off road in my own Jeep. So, but. Yeah, you know, so but I was impressed with it. It was a very comfortable dr- ride on the road. It was very quiet, very nice vehicle. It was something that uh, you know, it'd be a more of a family vehicle, I would think. But uh, you know, I, uh, I was impressed with it. And then about a month or so after that, we had to rent uh, another vehicle. We ended up getting a Compass, and uh, did did okay. It wasn't. Uh, it was not as qu- comfortable to ride. It was a much shorter inside. You can tell that it was smaller vehicle. Uh, it was also a 2019 Compass, but it, it didn't have any of the bells and whistles that the Grand Cherokee had, so I wasn't as impressed with it. Yeah, I'm glad he, he glad he mentioned the Grand Cherokee because I almost uh, uh, hold the Grand Cherokee in a different category than me the, too than the the other vehicles we're talking about. I I, I really consider it more an on road vehicle, but um, it's uh, it is capable potentially capable off-road vehicle and i think there is some aftermarket support uh, well, especially a, a lot of aftermarket support especially for the, for the older i mean you know, the older models i don't know about the newer oh, yeah. models zj and the wj definitely yeah. have a massive oh, aftermarket you can, following you can build and, a hell of an off-road uh yeah vehicle really from those no and and i mean honestly the the grand cherokee i think was one of the most awarded suvs for its time um in in the i think it was the wk model year range um uh, and it was just one of those things to where jeep really knocked it out of the park i mean the grand cherokee design has been around since 94 95 right i've uh, tried and true and and they, there hasn't been a year that they haven't offered it so the Grand Cherokee is one of those platforms that that kind of serves a purpose um, to where you know it's it's definitely a lot more of a vehicle than like the Compass or the Renegade and uh, you know the, those kind of Jeeps and really they they, they don't compare um, because it's a different class of vehicle uh, altogether. This is a luxury class vehicle that has off road performance capabilities and and like you were saying firsthand experience. Uh, you know, 2019 Grand Cherokee was doing very well. Um, you know, off in the mud and stuff like that, and and rightly so. It's it's set up for for that sort of stuff. Now that being said, I mean, we've all seen the PR stunt where you know Jeep FCA they took a a, a brand spanking new Renegade, um, quote unquote, not modified, and uh, put a a little snowboarder chick in it and had her drive through a uh, uh, Olympic whitewater rafting course that right. was full of water um, backwards. You know, it's like one of those things where, wow, you know, if this thing can do that, then, you know, it must be able to drive up a tree. Uh, and, and it's one of those things where, <laughs> no, you know, we're talking like this was like just six inches of water. And it's like I mean, they had to modify that where the CPU was mounted. Otherwise, the thing was just going to drown and just stop. And so it was like, again, it was another big PR stunt that was misleading people 
uh, into believing that, you know, something like a renegade or a compass was capable of doing the same kinds of off-roading that a renegade or that, uh, I'm sorry, that a Wrangler is popular for uh, and is known for. Um, so I, I'm I sorry. Just, I'm sorry, Josh, because you start over. I stopped listening when you said snowboarder chick. Um, yeah. I missed everything. <laughs> Mine everything elsewhere. after that. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> so, Travis, wh- where do you stand on on the, the more car-like Jeeps in the lineup? I think I think honestly, Chris summed it up in a nutshell. I mean, he's he's like they'd watered down. Hey, Jeep has been around, and 1941 Jeep showed up, and they built their name. They've surpassed everything, and people realize, hey, it's a good vehicle. It's going to last. It's going to do good. Are they marketing now to every other mall crawler? Unfortunately, mall crawler, which is I still respect them. I love them. You know, I'm like, I'm glad you bought a Jeep. I'm glad you modified it. You're never going to take it off road. But that is what that Renegade is going after in a whole new soccer mom, I feel, soccer mom avenue. You know, is it terrible? No. Am I going to drive one? No. I've seen one, personally, one lifted up and on a trail. I say on a trail. I've seen it built and ready to go on a trail, and then it was sold. Um, (laughs) But it was a mom and dad mechanic shop that built it up for their son with his help and it was impressive like impressive but i've never seen it off road uh it do i care for him no do i respect the jeep am i still gonna wave honestly i'm i'm unfortunately gonna say no um but i respect it's the jeep name i appreciate him and maybe they're going to just, it's a beginner vehicle to what they're going to end up eventually owning, which is going to be a YJ or an XJ. And they're going to be happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you in, in that, Travis, in, in the sense that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're agreeing with, with Chris. I mean, he, he said that, you know, the water's down the brain and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with, uh, with a lot of you guys here in the sense that, um, you know, you got to respect what Jeep is doing. They're trying to stay alive as oh, yeah. an automaker. They've been, they've been handed... To this automaker and that automaker, I mean, they've been they've been passed around, you know, more than a drunk chick at a party, and so you know, it's one of those things. Well, okay, (laughs) Um, you know, they've had so many parent companies, is what I'm saying. And each time that that parent company comes around, it's like, well, that's still a minivan. Well, that's still a series of cars. You know, and it's just like, you know, come on, no, let's stick with. And that's why when so when when Jeep was was right about the time when Sergio Marchione, the former CEO. Uh, of of Jeep and FCA um, was uh, had passed away. Uh, Jeep was kind of sort of floundering at a at a at a moment where they didn't really know the direction that they were going to take. There were some rumors about Volkswagen buying Jeep. Oh, oh yeah. God, could you imagine? Undead. And 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 it was one of those things where you know what's going to happen. And a lot of the fans, including myself, <clears throat> were were saying you know th- I think it would be a very very good idea if Jeep and Ram were to just sort of right. part ways with everybody else. Because really, they have it going on, and 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 really, it's 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 the Jeep and Ram brand is the only reason that FCA is even around right now. I was going to say that FCA goes out of business if that happens. So that yeah, ultimately, I mean, uh, Fiat is a dying brand. Um, Alfa Romeo. um, I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, what is under the 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 FCA FCA umbrella is is a dying brand. Um, Now they've got the whole electrification thing that is that is happening, and that's a whole nother discussion. 
Um, but you know, uh, again, with the recent PSA auto group acquisition and, and stuff like that, they're, they're doing smart business moves, Yeah. but in the sense that they're, they're, they're trying to stay alive and by, by appealing to other aspects of the car market, um, they are very much, as Chris has said, watering down the brand. Jared, where do you stand on this? Uh, you know, what kind of Jeep do you own and, and have you ever driven anything like a Cherokee or a Compass? Or, I mean, uh, like a, a Renegade or a Compass? Yeah, I have a um, JK, and I've owned a TJ as well. I've driven the Renegade a couple of times. I have a cousin that has one, and I actually did a, a long road trip in one. And my my feelings are similar to Chris in that I, I didn't find it to be – I didn't see really anything appealing about it. It wasn't super comfortable. Um, it didn't have, like, a nice ride on the road. Um, if I was comparing it to another car, because that's, to me, what it is as a car – I wouldn't buy it. And, and to kind of echo Travis's statements, I always kind of look at like, what do I consider a Jeep? I kind of consider a Jeep what I'm doing the Jeep wave for. And I don't, I never do a Jeep wave for like a Renegade or something like that. And it's not because I'm like trying to snub them. I really just don't even consider it a Jeep. I don't think about it, you know? And when I, but every time I'm passing, you know, an XJ or a JK or a JL um, or even a Gladiator, I'm given the Jeep wave. And so I think that kind of summarizes it. The puzzling thing to me is I get why they're making cars and, and things like that. And I, I think I would maybe argue against why I would do it. But what's so weird to me is that there's an entire market of people who are into recreation off-road vehicles that aren't Jeeps that are like your watered down version, the Subaru. Like in, you live in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. you know, Subaru's oh boy. very <laughs> yeah. well. And there are tons, but what I don't understand is if they're going to go the car route, why aren't they going like a hatchback style car route? I don't really care if they did that or not. I don't, it's not an interesting thing to me, but we know that there's a big market there. I just don't really see like the renegade. I don't see it's, I just don't see it's position within Jeep's lineup of, of who they're going to attract. I would, I think they would have better luck long-term saying, look, we want a car. Let's make a nice hatchback that has good ground clearance. That's all wheel drive. They can take advantage of some of our, you know, off-road, where we'll drive knowledge and engineering and apply that to something like a hatchback. That at least makes more sense to me. I don't really care if they do that or not, but at least that in my mind, that works. I get the feeling that the, the Renegade was what could we put together, slap the, the Jeep name and the Renegade name on this <clears throat> Fiat 500 and do as little work, as little modification as possible because we need to, we need to get these Fiat 500s out the door. Right. Well, I agree. You, you, you got to look at. I believe at, it was Tony. You got to look at, at why the Renegade was created. The Renegade was Jeep's global vehicle. This was the vehicle that they were going to essentially become a global brand with, a, a vehicle that could be as much home in the United States as it was in China, as it was in India, as it was in 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 India or something. I mean, I mean, just any pick the country. Brand. Um, yeah, and and it's it's one of those vehicles to where okay, it's got to fit in all of these, um, but it's got to be a Jeep as well. And a Reneg I mean, a, a Wrangler is not going to fit as well in you know downtown China as it is in Wyoming. Right. Uh, so, you know, but but a Renegade could uh, fit that, and so that was the purpose for the Renegade, filling this this void in the in the auto market where Jeep was trying to accomplish a more of a global brand ship. And this vehicle sort of fit that role. Now, that being said, it, it, it really wasn't 
it wasn't marketed, I don't, I don't think, correctly. Um, because they very much tried to play on the off-road prowess of this vehicle, which it does not have. It does not have any articulation. I mean, it, it, it really has no ground clearance. I mean, this, yeah, you can get the trail-rated version. Yeah, you can get like an inch-and-a-half lift kit on it. I mean, yeah, you can spend ten grand on this thing modifying it. Oh, just rip it. the whole damn underneath out of it and take the, the well, body and, and stick and, it and on a still, TJ frame. Yeah, <laughs> and you still can't do... 90% of what a Wrangler can do. So right. I mean, it's just like, I mean, uh, God, why would you buy something and then spend so much money to still not have what you're trying to achieve? Well, I, so I mean, I, I, I think you I brought up a good point. what they're trying to do, but it just, it doesn't, it's not, it's not the right way. I think you brought up a good point about uh, this, this off-road prowess. Well, what are you going to do with the American market? I mean, if you're an American, I'm sure Americans are, are saying, uh, this isn't anything I'm interested in. Well, what if we take it off-road? Oh, well, gee, if it can go off-road, sure. Well, yeah. if it's got four-wheel drive, yeah. yeah, and that, yeah. That, that's what that's why Subaru is, has been has, has made an absolute killing uh, with their you know their Outbacks and and, yeah. and, and other other lines. Uh, it's just it, it especially out here in the, in the Pacific Northwest. God, it's like every fourth vehicle is a freaking Subaru. But anyways, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you no, got to consider this though. You have to consider this as well though. Not every Wrangler that is made. Their owners don't take them. Oh, off of course road. not. Oh no, no, absolutely not. And, and so, and Jeep realizes that, but they also realize that people want to own and operate a vehicle that has the Jeep name. So they therefore they come up with these other body styles, these other drive lines, these other options, so that people can still say that they drive a Jeep because they, even though they can't afford the Wrangler. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that why Jeep is doing some of the things that they're doing. Is there that big a difference in the price between the Renegade and the Wrangler? Yeah. Is there? Okay. I mean, I the I'm sure that you could... about forty five hundred dollars. Ooh, I'll buy two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you can go through the configurator and and build a um, you know a Renegade up to where it would be almost as much as a completely stripped down uh, uh, Wrangler, uh, you know, within maybe a difference of a ten thousand dollar mark or something. That's what like I was that. thinking. Um, but you know, I mean that that again, that's we're talking about complete extremes on opposite ends of two different uh, um, automobiles. To, you know, to try and, and find a middle road, and there just isn't one uh, in this case. I mean, yeah, okay, the Renegade is the smallest Jeep that, that that has ever been made, and you get the Liberty and the Compass, which sort of fit that that middle role. Um, but you know, I mean, there is something to be said about that. You know, maybe they should have gone after the station wagon market, considering Subaru's success. You know, well, the, you got you looking at the whole, uh, you know, uh, crossover market and, and how how pretty much every vehicle now offered is is almost a crossover in one form or another, unless you get into the you know pure economy uh, type of vehicles. And and the Cherokee almost sort of fits that role into that. You know, it's kind of it, it is a hatchback um, and it, it does have four doors, uh, but it's not a station wagon. It is a little bit more rugged. It's up sitting up a little bit higher. But honestly, I don't think the Cherokee has the the cargo room that uh, that that, that a, uh, a Subaru has. Uh, like you go into an Outback to a to a to a, a Cherokee, and I mean, yeah, the the cargo room is 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 a is no comparison. So, um, you know, it, did they miss the mark? You know, I, I don't know. Um, Tammy, what are your experiences with the you know the cute Ute or you know these other non Jeeps, if you, if you will? I would have to agree with all our Zoom folks and their comments. Um, but honestly, you know, I don't care either way about any of the other Jeeps as long as they still, you know, continue the Wrangler line. 
Um, the one thing that I have found that's kind of been annoying me is all the, um, I, I talked about this, I think two weeks ago about all the, the Jeep Easter eggs. It's still happening. Yeah, They're you know. still watching my video, like 50,000 views and people that have all these other Jeeps are like, I want my Easter eggs. And why wasn't I can't find any Easter eggs on my 2004 Cherokee. And I'm like, people, this is about the Willys Jeep. It was a tribute to the Willys Jeep. And I guess, you know, I think that's the part that bothers me is people don't get what Jeep is really about. Well, people aren't that interested. I mean, if they did some research, then yeah, they'd find out. But it's just kind of a surface level thing, I I think. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. People don't care about heritage. They they don't they don't Uh, care about history. Yeah, they should though. And that's kind of the point of this whole thing is people don't care about the the Jeep and the off road capabilities as much as we do. The the Zoom folks, you, me, Josh, and and probably Wendy, uh, that's important to us. And it doesn't have to be important to everyone. And and you don't have to be an off-road person uh, and own a renegade. I'm just fearful that you you think you're getting something that you're going to be able to take off-road because of how you've been misled. And as long as you understand what you got, enjoy it. Have fun. I don't look down on on you at all. Well, no, I guess my point is... you know, these people want these animals and these bugs and these Easter eggs on their Jeeps. And, you know, that's yeah. not what this is about, people. Buy some stickers. It's not about Easter eggs. You're right. You're right, Tammy. 100%. It's not about, you know, oh, I found this little secret thing here and I'm trendy and I'm cool. And because you right. don't have it and you haven't found yours, it's like, no, this is actually, you know, heritage. But, this is a call back to yesteryear and what made this brand a brand to begin with and and the, right. these people just it goes right over their heads so wendy where, where are you sitting i mean have you ever driven one of these i mean i know you guys are are very much uh wrangler fanatics um but you know it has has uh have you has your rear end ever crossed the seat of one of these <laughs> other jeeps yes it has i had to oh, rent um yeah i know uh but i will say on a positive so i had to rent a compass uh, was what they had to offer up here. And I was driving to Vegas for a trade show and it was not a bad ride. Um, it was fairly comfortable, but what I will tell you about it is all of the controls and everything that you operate is pretty similar to the Jeep we that we drive regularly. So that was kind of a nice sort of creature feature and the fact that it was comfortable from the standpoint that I knew where everything was. But um, would I own one? I don't know that we have a need for it. You know, I, I don't know that I would do it. I have, haven't really seen any renegades on the road, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but I do agree with everybody. I think it does sort of take away from the brand. And as long as you buy those vehicles, knowing that it's for the street, I mean, when I was driving this compass, I knew I was not going off road with it anytime soon. Um, I didn't think because it said Jeep that I could do that, but Maybe that's just my thinking too, but I I do think if you buy them, you're buying them for a vehicle. But I think there's other options that you can get better things with. So anyway, that's mine. Well, and I think a lot of that market comes into one of the main reasons why Tony bought his Jeep to begin with was for you know emergency preparedness. Living in a in a in a uh, in an area of the United States where you know flooding is is very uh, common, um, you know wanted to be in a vehicle that that had both the clearance and the capability of getting him and his family out of that kind of a situation. And I think a lot of people look towards 
these other vehicles as as well it has the jeep name so it must be okay to get me mm. you know off road when i need to or get me out of a situation where i need to or it has that four wheel drive so it must be good right and and it just it, it's it's one of those things to where you know has the brand done itself a disjustice by having such a good reputation and that carrying over into into other models um you know with without having all of that history to back it up and, and you know the, the liberty and the renegade and the compass they, they just don't have it they don't have the same systems they don't have the history and they they i think they're honestly uh, uh misadvertised and, and mismarketed to a lot of people thinking that they're going to buy one of these vehicles and it just be a smaller wrangler a cheaper a cheaper alternative. so is it possible that they're thinking it's like a lost leader? Hey, if you buy this Renegade and then you think, oh, I really want to go off-road and I can't, then you go and you bump yourself up to a Wrangler? Maybe this is part of their plan. I don't know. I'd be pissed off, uh, frankly, <laughs> if I was misled. I, and I don't know that I would go and, and buy the Wrangler. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one to say. I'm, I'm sure that there's probably some, you know, uh, marketing algorithm which would uh, which would pencil that out. But, uh, you know, in the long, in the long scheme of things, um, who knows why automakers do what they do, uh, especially when it comes to regurgitating old name badges, which I think is really the primary reason for this conversation. True. If the Renegade was called a ladybug, uh, I don't think that we'd have a problem, honestly. Um, you know, it, it's the fact that these these old, nostalgic, uh, historic name badges historic. are being regurgitated onto these abortions of an automaker <laughs> really just have no business uh, being on them, and 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 it really upsets a lot of people, including myself, um, who know about the history, who know about the heritage behind names like Renegade, names like Jeepster, you know, names like Cherokee. You know, I mean, it's all these names. They have a history and they have a heritage which doesn't live up on these new models, and and it's just strictly an advertising and a PR stunt, which I, for one, am not a fan of. Well, we can mm -hmm. see through it, so. Yeah. Well, uh, so uh, hopefully we didn't beat up on uh, the Renegade owners out there, the, 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 the new Cherokee owners, the new Renegade owners, uh, the new uh, Compass owners or the Compass owners. Uh, we're not trying to beat up on you. Uh, we're not calling you uh, uh, dumb or stupid because you bought one of these things uh, at all. Uh, you are, you're the consumer. You can buy whatever you like. You can like whatever you like. And, and we think that's uh, absolutely your right. Uh, but uh, uh, from for myself personally, I just want to make sure that everybody understands it's not a, 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 an off road vehicle. Can you take it off road? Yeah, probably. Can you do some of these trails that that jeeps that have been around for years and years and years can do? Uh, no, not without being modified, and, and that's the other problem. You don't have the aftermarket support. So uh, it's uh, I think it's a great conversation. It's nothing anybody should feel bad about. Enjoy your Renegade. Uh, enjoy your new Cherokee. Enjoy your Compass. If you like it, then that's great for you. Yeah, we have a friend of the show. Uh, have him on the show every now and again uh, who, owns a, uh, who owns a Renegade, and we don't blame him for it. We don't fault him for it. Cody is, uh, you know, I'm sure that he's proud of his renegade i i gotta i gotta correct you there josh uh, and I, I think cody would want to be corrected want me to correct you is it's not his it's his sister's oh and his brother-in-law who's on the show with him is the one that takes it out and beats the hell out of it off road oh <laughs> see i thought it was his. okay well see you know if the foo if the shoe fits yeah <laughs> but they do like the uh they do like the renegade over there at uh at trail chaser so uh you can go over there and and get some uh, some Renegade love. 
And make sure that you head over to our Facebook page and get some love over there because that's how you're going to be able to join in on the campfire side chat. And we'd love to have you around the campfire for these uh, little talks that we have. This one went a little bit long, but uh, but I think we got a good, good oh, conversation of our of our listeners and 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 good conversation about. Uh, about this particular topic, and we're doing a different topic each and every week around the Campfire Side Chat, and we'd love to have you pull up a chair and chime in and uh, join in on the fun. And the way to do that, again, Facebook. So make sure you guys are connected with us. Oh, it's just look at this weather. I think this is the perfect day to take the top off. Oh, what the heck is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Hey, Jeeper, I'm Mitch, and today's the 29th of May, 2020, and it's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. Let's go topless in states that I haven't mentioned yet. In Newcastle, Delaware, let's keep your top on today. Warm at 85 with scattered thunderstorms. Tomorrow should be pretty sunny and 84 degrees. Sunday should be sunny and 81. Next, take that top off in Casgo, Maine, near a popular forest off-road trail. Today, cloudy at 87, scattered thunderstorms in 81 tomorrow, and Sunday, cloudy at nice 65 degrees. Okay, this next location is going to be partly cloudy with great temperatures all weekend. Minot, North Dakota has some trails nearby and the clouds make for great pictures of that Jeep. Today is 66, tomorrow 71, and Sunday 77 degrees. Let's take that top off in Oakland, Maryland, where Potomac Garrett State Forest is, which includes some off-road trails. Today, scattered thunderstorms again at 77, tomorrow 67 and cloudy, and Sunday, sunny at 63 degrees. Don't forget to use the hashtag GTalkShow on social media for us to see those pictures. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather in an upcoming episode, go to jeeptalkshow.com contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. Thanks, Mitch. Always good advice, and uh, you like taking the top off. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. Hey, don't forget to go to JeepTalkShow.com to see the latest events from around the nation and in your hometown as well. Well, that's it for the show for this week, fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to tell anyone that you know with a renegade to listen to the show, especially the last couple episodes. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Look, Ma, no hands. I washed them right off. Podcasting since 2010. Hey, kid, come here. Did you know there was uh, stuff after the show? Yeah, yeah, you could listen to it if uh, you download the app. Uh, no, no, it's free. Just download the Jeep Talk Show app from uh, the uh, uh, Apple Store or that, uh, that Google Play Store, and uh, you hear all the, the excitement after the show.